I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you here on this Monday. I uh, hope you're having a good one. It's it's such a pleasant time here in Texas because we're finally not in triple digits, and so it's just been a, it's been a wonderful time in the last few days here. But we're going to talk about something interesting. There's an interesting passage in the Bible, uh, you know, where Jesus was healing a lot of people, and then there was one man that he took outside of the village in order to heal him, and it doesn't really tell us why. I mean, we can speculate, um, but what I do know is that sometimes God has to kind of take us outside of where we live so that he can do a greater work in our lives. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's a massive change of scenery, but sometimes he'll do it right where you're at. And there's no formulaic answer for this kind of thing uh, because Jesus is a, a real person and he deals with us on a very personal individual level uh and there are some obviously some things that don't change some foundational truths but sometimes the dynamics look a little different well today's guest has a story of one of those that you go oh wow god really took him outside of his village to to show him a lot of great things and i think you're going to enjoy hearing it uh my guest today is kelly miller and he has a book that just came out last month it's called unexpected joy uh and you know it's You talk about the things that are the same. Uh, Well, one of the same things, because this is who God is, is he wants us to have joy and to have it uh, exceedingly and abundantly. And and he'll do, I think, a lot of different interesting things. You may get no spit in your eye, one spit, two spit, you know, lots of mud. God works individually with us. So uh, wherever you're at, what I want you to hear through this conversation is, number one, that God wants you to experience an incredible level of joy and purpose and meaning in your life. Uh, and number two, sometimes you got to listen and you got to surrender and you got to obey because that's the path to uh, amazing fulfillment in life. You're going to hear his story. Appreciate you guys being here, Judy. Glad to see you. Anybody else live, you want to jump in on the conversation, feel free. Chat is open more live. And we always appreciate nice comments if you're watching this later. Kelly, welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you here today. Great to be here, Randy. Thanks so much for having me. Did did I set you up okay? Is that pretty accurate to say God took you way outside the village to show you what he wanted for you? Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people kind of have that perspective on my story, but I I haven't had anybody pull that scripture out and use it. So (laughs) I I appreciate the reference. (laughs) So let's let's. Take us back to when, uh, what were you doing, software development, something like that? Uh, you were just kind of a pretty normal, good American Christian guy, right? And then something happened? Yeah, I mean, it. it I was the probably the least likely candidate for what eventually happened. So I was a software executive at the largest software, business software company in the world. And I ran a pretty significant line of business there. Um, but since 2003, I had been involved in student ministry, um, specifically foreign missions. And as a small group leader, I went to seminary at Dallas seminary in, uh, the middle two thousands, all while doing my business career. 
And uh, along the way, we started supporting lots of organizations and we started supporting this organization that was doing some cool work in uh, Uganda and had a traditional sponsorship organization where they sponsored young kids to go to primary school. And um, in Uganda, the, the secondary schools are boarding schools. And so this organization began to see their kids age into boarding school. And so they started sending their kids to boarding school. And the environments, unfortunately, are, are pretty unsafe um, at best. And so they said, hey, we want to do something different. And we want to do something for our families and our students that we've been supporting. Um, and so they decided to build a, a Christ-centered, discipleship-focused school that was going to do things differently. And, and so I had developed a relationship my wife and I had with this organization. They saw my unique uh, background and skill set and said, hey, would you be interested in kind of walking away from the business world and helping us build this school. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but, my, uh, but my wife was like, hey, I think we should be open to this and 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 see what happens. And, and we'll, we'll pray through any opportunity that comes. But yeah, so we, I, I said, okay, I'll be open to it. And my wife has some health issues. I never thought she would ever consider leaving uh, the protection of the, of the developed world. But you know, a few years later, uh, we moved to Uganda. Uh, so, and that's an interesting thing because, you know, a lot of people, especially when some people have, I've heard from people who said, yeah, I became a Christian and I was really scared God was going to call me into the mission field, by which we yeah. mean underdeveloped uh, countries, uh, uncomfortable. Uh, and I, I was just in Burundi in July. And I mean, it's just a it's a different world over there. We don't have the comforts. Uh, there is oftentimes in Uganda right now. Um, I mean, you know, there's been some uh, outside threats, primarily from Muslim groups. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it is a whole different thing. Uh, so what what was that? What was the inner dialogue as well as the spousal dialogue between? Yeah, you know, I don't want to do that. And OK, let's uproot our lives and go. What, what happened in between there? Um, well, it was really interesting because, you know, coming out of seminary, um, there's a few things that I, that I took with me as, as just, just big markers in what I believe. And I believe that God works through opportunities and I, and I've been able to walk with lots of young men and women. And especially as I recruited for, for the small percentage of foreign nationals we had in Uganda, people get paralyzed with what does God want me to do and what is God's will? And, um, I've just come to to believe based on scripture that that God works through opportunities and that his will isn't necessarily this very specific place in this very specific time, but that he guides us through the spirit to say, hey, I've equipped you and prepared you to say yes to this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so once the opportunity came, we prayed through the wisdom of leaving. Is, is this a good application of our gifts and experience? Is there anything unwise about this? Mm. Uh, is, is this a, an opportunity for us to do something for the kingdom? Where are we in our marriage, et cetera? And um, at the time there, there was certainly nothing unwise about going and the spirit really convicted us to say, Hey, I've prepared you mm. to say yes to this. And so it was a big, yes. It was a kind of a big shock to me. And just as a, <laughs> as a funny side note to that, um, without speculating as to people's motivations and hearts and asking this question. But a lot of times, even before I let people like, why do you got to move to Uganda? Why can't you just 
go down to Atlanta and work with homeless people. Sure. And I said, well, nobody asked me to work with homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, it, so rather than kind of creating or forcing an opportunity, right. You, we, we wait for opportunities that come and then we use, use the wisdom uh, from the Holy spirit and then we make a decision and then God honors that decision. And that's how it happened with us. And, you know, and that's, I think that's really how it happens because it may be that God calls you to go work with the homeless in your community. It may be, there's there's so many opportunities and they're unique. They're as unique as us and our personalities right. and our backgrounds and our giftings and our education, our experience and, and your posture there of listening and obeying. I think that's if you if you want to put a uh, you, know, you say, no, this is how it's done. I think that's yep. simply how you would say is, is listen and, and then obey. And that's, that's the core of, you know, faith and works. That's what it looks like. The faith comes first and the works come out of it. Um, yep. so, so you, did you have kids at this point? I was, I was wondering about that. Cause you're talking about you. and so your wife. My, my wife and I do not have kids, uh, because of her health challenges. Okay. Um, we've never been able to have kids and because of her limitations, we've never been able to raise kids. We've done fostering, um, but that's really what kind of, what, what God used to lead us into uh, high school ministry. How many kids do you have now? <laughs> kind of, right. We have a lot, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so I, you know, and people are like, how do you quantify it? Well, I'm like, well, I look at my will and there's 10 students, 10 former students that mm. are in their late twenties and thirties that are part of our estate and, um, their kids, we consider our grandkids. So yeah. we, you know, that we have a very full life, uh, that way. Um, but you know, we did not have our own children to consider as part of this, right? Yeah. Which is, which you know, again, it, you don't say that's why things happen, but it's certainly how God used the the situation of my wife not being able to have kids. God used that uh, to develop um, a burden in us to to work with students. Well, and you know, and that's interesting because you know I, I'm adopted. Uh, you know, James and Betty Robinson are not my biological parents, but. Adoption is God's way of building family, and right. and He can do that in however He wants. I mean, you've got you've got these kids in your will. I mean, that's that's family, and that you know, spirit is stronger than blood, uh, and so that that's yeah. a very that's interesting. Right. I did not know that. It's a very interesting sidebar as to as to what God's brought into your life, which is that fulfillment of the generations, you know, and the impact that we have. Uh, the well, and. It's interesting, you know, the we're, we're doing some continuing work with with the students uh, at our school, but that's the same reason why I, I I have dozens of students, especially from our first and second class that are just finishing up now uh, in Uganda. I, I know these I know their stories. I know their families. I love them like they're my own. And then so that's like really where my motivation comes from yeah. Yeah. to kind of press press on for them is is it's authentic. And that's, that's what's so amazing. I love what you said that, that, that the spirit is, is, is stronger than blood. And that's how it is. Like I, yeah. I love these kids yeah. and I couldn't love them more if they were my own. Yeah. Uh, or those two of them behind you. Yeah. So that's it. Those are, that's a set of twin girls and their story uh, is the basis for the nonprofit and NGO that my wife started after we came back from Uganda. So that is Gladys and Irene, uh, they are uh, six uh, fifth year students at the Amazama School right now. Yeah. Okay, how, how did they get such English names? <laughs> because they're African. 
Well, what's interesting is, um, you know, I would say that when our when our students come to our school in Uganda, it's probably 75, 25 Christian Muslim, mm-hmm. um, but it's about 95 just a cultural faith. It's not a faith that they've studied or come to believe or tested yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And so with all of our students, they have a a uh, local language name that means something like mm-hmm. peace or joy or grace or something like that. And then they'll either have a Christian name or a Muslim name, right? So um, the uh, Gladys and Irene were, were, were the, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They're not like biblical names so much uh, in, in the, like the famous sense, but uh, that was, that was why uh, they got those names. What's interesting though, is that that's, that's what I call them for your viewers, but they're, what they're called there are their names, firstborn twin and secondborn twin. Oh, wow. So being being a twin in uh, East Africa is a huge deal to the point where if you had a twin and you were the firstborn twin, you would be called Waswa. And there's a hundred thousand other Waswas, but uh, that becomes your name even more so than Randy. That's awesome. Uh, okay. Yeah. I love these cultural things. Um, <laughs> and East, East Africa is fascinating and it's very different from like sub-Saharan Africa and other places. Yep. But Okay. So take us, like, we haven't even gotten to this. Sorry. It's been just too much fun talking, but take us to <laughs> your, your journey to Uganda and kind of hit the highlights of what happened there. Not just with the, the situation and, and the school and the angels, but with, with you and your wife. Well, my wife had originally come in a in a um a non-titled role to kind of support me because especially in the early days there was going to be so many challenges um i didn't realize how big the chasm was going to be as far as earning trust um mm-hmm. through no fault of my own right just white skin yeah uh, the the legacy of colonialism the legacy of lots and lots and lots of missionaries who you know, make human mistakes, but that reflects on the next group that comes. And so just a lot of brokenness um, at the hands of white people and a lot of distrust at the hands of white people. And so my wife's original role was to kind of kind of make sure that she was supporting me and she's more much more organized than me. I'm a, uh, a red on the temperament scale. So it's kind of like, just do it, knock it out, let's go. And my wife is very organized and structured. But when we got there and we, we have a, um, like I said, it's about 15 to 20% foreign nationals that work at the school. So probably about uh, 300 or so Ugandans and maybe 40 or so uh, foreign nationals. But my wife quickly was given a role of member care um, where she would care um, for the foreign nationals and some of the additional needs of acclimating to a different country. And mm-hmm. um, just, you know, even kind of blocking and tackling around you know, how do you get around and how do you buy things and those types of things, but then more, more so on the spiritual side as well, which is just helping process. And so, you know, I'm a doer, I'm a builder, um, build organizations, lead organizations. So it wasn't too hard for me transitioning because there was so much to do. It was like, ah, let's just go and do it. Uh, But where God really protected me is he, he allowed me or, or guided me to very, like hold very loosely how we would do things. 
And so I had a phenomenal Ugandan staff that even though they didn't trust me yet, I was the boss in a sense. And so they were willing to contribute sincerely. And I said, look, we, I would like to try to do some things like this. How do we do it in this culture? How do we do it in this culture? Smart. And so God gave me this incredible perspective early say, Hey, look, you've done a lot of things. You've learned a lot of things, you know, a lot of things, but you don't know this culture at all, right. at all. Right. And so he brought me a group of, of Ugandans, um, my staff that have become my, my closest friends. And they really, it, it, they kind of informed how we would do everything because this school is radically different than any other school in the whole country. And there's going to be pushback. There's going to be pushback because culturally, you know, in the village culture, which is where our kids come from, they are, I mean, it is that men are not around. They have multiple wives, but women are secondary or even third in their culture. Children are to be seen and not heard. Um, you have the material poverty that lays on all of that. And just the amount of, of identity brokenness. I mean, it's a massive challenge. And for me to come in and, and have an effect on that, it, it would, it required not just nuance, but specific, perspective and a paradigm through which we're evaluating the culture. So that was, that was kind of my journey there was to kind of come in with ideas, but hold loosely how we would do it. And um, it was important because for us to, to, to break the cycle of poverty and and break the cycle of negative education there, it, it required that. Yeah. So I, I know Uganda has some similarities to, to, to some places that I have some experience with, uh, but just for clarification, the when when you look at education, um, you, you're the abject poverty that you're dealing with, which is not like the poverty we have here in America. I mean, it's like literally nothing. Like, right? Yeah. And education is the way out of it. Learning learning skills, but you're also up against the cultural things, like you mentioned. Of you know, when you want to educate young girls, some people frown upon that, and some girls are afraid they think they shouldn't be educated. Uh, and so you're you're breaking into that. Plus, with the overt Christian emphasis, you know you you are dealing with not just some uh, Muslim of, of effect and opposition, but uh, some some sort of tribal superstitions in a lot of cases oh, yeah. that are going on. Uh, what 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 is it that you're you're seeing that's that's working? If I mean I know something is because you, you guys are still doing it um, to to break a lot of those it's it's, it's just it's, it's opposition to getting people to a place where they can be self sustaining can have some skills and and I mean, it's a lot you know I don't think most Americans I don't know you wouldn't realize it if you hadn't been there but I don't know what's working over there for you guys. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it, it's important before I answer that question, Randy, to talk about what's not working. And it's a sensitive thing to say because somebody could take it like I'm being negative about the schools or the, the sponsorship organizations that we all are familiar with. Uh, my wife and I have you know, sponsored seven Compassion Children. That is a meaningful, necessary, incredible ministry that that these that these uh, organizations do, but the reality is is that the vast majority of the schools are not the answer. So, as a concept, yes, education is required to come out of poverty, but mm. 
the education they get is rote memorization and it's all about the government exam and there's a government exam at the end of seven years of primary school and there's a government exam at the end of four years of secondary school and what those students do the entire time they're in school is is cram and memorize for that exam that's their entire education hmm. um in secondary school you're in school you're in a classroom 13 to 14 hours a day hmm. in most ugandan schools uh you go eight hours on saturday and half on sunday um the method of discipline is physical abuse um you were talking about the way that girls are viewed it's not uncommon that there's sexual abuse hmm. so i say all of that not to paint a dark picture but the most important thing as a baseline is is the environment right and we could even say this about the united states sure. if children don't feel safe if they don't feel loved if they don't feel seen if they don't feel protected it doesn't matter what the curriculum is doesn't matter who the teachers mm -hmm. are so the first thing we do at our school is provide a christ-centered nurturing relationship driven environment so a typical ugandan school you'll find 300 beds in a single dorm room so they, they stack bunk beds four high and four together and they make a it's 16 and there'll be you know uh almost 20 18 to 20 of those those beds in one room with one adult wow. over all of them and our students live in homes where there's 18 students six to a room and then a married couple lives among them and does life with them as what we call their family mentors. And so we have an entire discipleship program and activity program outside of the school day that allows these kids to know that they are loved and they are safe. And then we we disciple them in the way of Jesus. The second thing that's most important is that we, we intentionally develop relationships with their families that give their families dignity and value. That's the part that's forgotten a lot about in the, in the developing world is we feel like if we can get kids into school, that's good. And it is good. It's better than them not being in school. Mm -hmm. But the challenge is, is that the families are often neglected and discarded from the process because a student starts and they've got 16 years of school in some cases um, and their parents become an afterthought and it's the sponsorship organization that is essentially raising the child mm -hmm. so we intentionally develop relationships with the families in our community provide make sure they know their value uh to us to their student and to god and so the combination of a safe environment a christ-centered environment and then relationships with their families that are meaningful um create the opportunity for these kids to be educated right and so we have a classical uh, Christian approach to the academics, but what allows that approach to work so well is the environment the students that are, are in. Yeah, that's that's an interesting observation. You know, the same is true here. That's why we've got inner city yes, schools 100%. that are failing, kids can't read. Yep. Uh, and, and so, I mean, this is this is a universal truth uh, and application. Uh, I want to show people the book real quick. This is Unexpected Joy sure. by Kelly Miller, which really walks through a lot of these things. This, this is a complex issue. You know, when you talk about a sponsorship organization getting kids in school, that, that's, a, that's when you're dealing with uh, the abject poverty in, in a lot of these cultures in these underdeveloped countries, that's the first step. But it there is. has to be an evolution, a continuing right. development. And, you know, it took, you know, a couple hundred years in, in – the United States to, to kind of get along that track. We can't expect yep. it to happen overnight. And so we're going to have these, these steps. 
uh, but we have to keep moving forward. That's right. So and if, someone, if, if you guys are watching and you, you're interested in that side of it, just pick up the book wherever you get books, Unexpected Joy. I want to ask you, though, before uh, Kelly, the Unexpected Joy is about a lot about you. You know, you talk about finding true purpose through surrender. What yeah. happened in you when you walked away from a, a great job here in the States, walked yeah. away from the safety of the, the culture, the specifically in your case, the hospitals, you know, and the medical care for your wife, yeah. Um, yeah. and, and went, to, went over there. What is the unexpected joy that you found? Well, the unexpected joy that I found, and you used the word at the beginning of our conversation, Randy, and that is the joy in obedience. And I think that, you know, when you read the in John chapter 15 in the vine and the branches, what gets missed a lot is is Jesus gives you the means for abiding in him. Mm. And it's so it's and it's a joyful obedience. And the way we come to a joyful obedience is by embracing God's teaching, not as rules to be followed for the sake of following them, but <laughs> wisdom from God on how to live the life that Jesus calls life to the full. Yeah. And what was unexpected for me was when you living the way that Jesus lives with the right motivation gives you an unassailable joy that goes beyond your circumstances. Mm. So I wasn't expecting that when I, when I get to a place that looks very differently than where I've grown up in, it, we kind of go looking at poverty through a lens of material wealth and comfort. Yeah. And what I found was, is it opened my eyes to the overall brokenness of the world, even the brokenness of our own culture here in the States. And that the, the, the key is not changing your circumstances or following God's rules for the wrong reasons. It's embracing that God loves us enough to tell us how to live. And then most importantly, gives us his strength through the spirit to actually accomplish what he asks us to do. Because I think as Christians, where we struggle, and and listen, I had every box checked, Randy. I'd been on 13 mission trips. I was a small group leader for 12 years. I led adult <laughs> groups. I went to seminary, gave away a bunch of stuff and my time and money. And I thought like, I was like this, you know, top of the hill. And I get there and God showed me my own selfishness, my motivation to help people. I loved how it made me look. Yeah. I loved how my resume, my Christian resume made me look. And what I realized is I wasn't following Christ for the right reasons, not fully for the right reasons. And, you know, growing up in the South, which there can be some legalism, you know, whether you grow up Catholic or, you know, a, a traditional Southern evangelical <laughs> yeah. denomination, um, we, we tend to follow the rules for the wrong reasons. Mm. Um, we like that we have a moral high ground because we're doing it and they're not or whatever it is. And so what really broke me was when God showed me, he's like, because I truly do want to help people be their best. And God's given me gifts to do that. Mm -hmm. But there was a point in time we we're going through a season where I was just like, he was just like, are you doing this truly because you care about these kids and you care about them knowing me? Or are you doing this because this makes you look good? And that wrecked me beyond yeah. anything. And mm -hmm. when I finally was like, okay, I'm going to follow you for the right reasons, because you've, you, you, you've, you've said it's for my benefit and your glory. And you've given me the strength to do it. I'm going to stop performing and just allow you to work with me. Let you take the burden. Your yoke is, 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 is not 
burdensome. And so that for me was, was so unexpected. I, I thought I had it all done. I thought I was, you know, I mean, I moved over there, let's see, 2016 and I had the world by the tail in every way. And boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. You know, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, somebody may be thinking about going to seminary or, or, you know, volunteering in their church. And those are, those are all steps of obedience. What I, what I see in you is that track that God wants for every one of our lives, which is that conformity to the image of Christ. Yes. And that's not the same, that we're not all on the same schedule in a sense of that. But when we yep. live in obedience and, and you know, we're, we're, we're tuned to, to the spirit we're, we're seeking, we're, we're going to be at different stages of that. And God will deal with the individual things individually, but it right. all goes back to that, that ultimate desire, which is making us more like Christ. And what's funny is that that requires what we call <laughs> sacrifice, <laughs> you know, right. uh, right. uh re- refinement would be even, probably a better word. And what's, what's funny is what are we giving up? We're giving up our own self-sufficiency, our own ambitions, and we're trading it for the joy and the purpose of Christ. That's, that's not much of a sacrifice at all. That's a beautiful thing. The key, the key is the motivation. Um, you know, there was a quote, I won't, try to say it exactly because I'm 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 not good at paraphrasing. Par- yeah. But Tozer Tozer says that it's not like the work that that necessarily makes something sacred or secular, but the motivation mm. behind it. Mm. And I think that too often we're afraid to even think about the fact that we might be motivated for our own glory or our own purpose. Mm. Or just to please our parents or our pastor, or just for our identity, like, why are you following Christ? Or why are you trying to follow Christ? Mm. And the reality is, is that he is, he has told us what to do to have unlimited joy in him. And he's given us his spirit to actually accomplish it. And it's a, it's a two pronged thing. We've got to first acknowledge that we can never get there on our own. And, and the second thing is, is we have to invite the spirit into what we do because we're not strong enough. Like the fruit of Randy and the fruit of Kelly is, is rotten fruit. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good it is, right? If it, if the spirit isn't involved, if it's purely our fruit, you know, it might be good in and of itself. Like you can help somebody, but as it relates to the kingdom and our relationship with God, it's garbage, right? It is. And, you know, I find that is if you look at the vine and the branches kind of thing, if we focus on the fruit and, and pushing out that fruit, I think we got it backwards. We need to be focused on abiding in, in the vine. And then that branch will naturally produce fruit. You don't have to That's strive. It. Yeah. That's it. Love it. Oh, uh, let me show people your website real quick. This is Unexpected sure. Joy Book. It's for the book. Yep. And you can read a little bit more about Kelly and the, his organization, 314 Community. Um, and if, you know, if you have an interest in this thing, if you feel like God's saying, you know, this is something you need to look into, you jump on in there. You may need to do it. You don't have to go to Uganda. Uh, you, you know, you, you may, you may go next door that may God may be calling you to your next door neighbor. That's biblical too. The point, and I hope what you hear is what Kelly's talking about there. Um, 
the the letting God re- refine you and and living for His purpose, not just our own. Uh, and that's a that's where there's so much joy. You you can't even imagine. I think sometimes what you'll find when you live that life of obedience and surrender. It's a it's a pretty exciting thing. Kelly, anything you want to add? I appreciate your time. Appreciate you being here. Well, I just wanted to also make clear that our organization is a background in the support organization. So as I mentioned, there's these sponsorship organizations that take these children all the way through sec- primary and secondary school, and they're mm-hmm. phenomenal organizations. I was part of one. Um, but rather than like, we don't want to take a handoff like a baton, like, okay, they finished secondary school. Now we got them. That's not it at all. It's, it's a, it's a hand in hand. So what we do is we resource those organizations. We resource them by providing safe housing and mentoring and tuition assistance, but we do it to the organizations and not the family. So it's still the organizations that are front and center where there, there aren't bigger cheerleaders and fans than me of those organizations, but we want to resource them so they can do more for their students than they're capable of doing now because of the logistical limitations and the financial limitations. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing now is at, at this point, we're a background and a support organization for those students that that are naturally supported by whatever sponsorship organization they have. So this is the kind of the path that we're taking because we don't want there to be any tension or confusion uh, at all with the family or the organization. So it, it, with your involvement, not just since 2016 of actually going there, but the, the history prior to that, are you seeing progress in in Uganda and the education? And uh, yeah, you're seeing some good fruit. Yeah. And I can tell you that there's, there's kind of the, the feeling and the energy and the, and, and the spirit. And then there's the literal things I can point to. So the school, the Amazama school has completely changed the way education is happening in Uganda. And I'm, I, I'm not, I am an exaggerator. I'm a passionate person and I overstate (laughs) things, but I can't overstate that. And the reason I say that is um, in, in the last three years, They've gone Uganda as a national organization, curriculum wise, education wise, has gone from just focusing completely on a government exam to actually having grades. Like so our school has grades for participation and and for projects and quizzes and 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 that model is being disseminated across the country. And the other thing is that they are recognizing the value of what we call student life, which is the nurturing uh, environment outside of the classroom. And so there's now two hours at every Ugandan school that is mandated for the students to have time to be with, uh, teachers or mentors or even quiet time by themselves. And there's such a impact that the Amazama school is having in Uganda that two years in a row, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a continental um, curriculum organization across the continent of Africa, and they have an annual conference. The only school on the entire continent, the only school that was invited to this conference was our school. Hmm. And they were invited two years in a row. And the reason that they were invited is because the entire continent wants to know what's happening. Cause what's happening with our students is making noise in the best possible ways all across the continent. And it. it's not rock and science. It's Jesus at the center of everything. It's safe environments. It's helping people understand their value being made in the image of God. It's involving their families. 
and it's 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 rethinking how you teach like do we teach them to the test or do we teach them how to think critically and logically and process so thank you for giving me thank you for asking that question i get to brag on the school brag on the school a little bit i love so. it i love it and you know i and you're we're bragging on jesus because when we put jesus in the yeah. mix that's it it improves the lives of everyone yeah it does. Such a beautiful thing. All right, people. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh, if, if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed, do that. And you'll get more opportunities to hear more inspiring stories like this. And uh, hit that share button. Let people know. Yeah, there's some great things God's doing in all sorts of places and in everyone involved lives. In the lives of everyone involved, I should say. Uh, and he wants to do it in yours. And you can find that. You can check out Unexpected Joy wherever you get books. Looks like this. And we'll see you again next time Nobody here on Life Today can Live. Nobody prevent you from doing the will of God.